myself again. Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It's Thursday night. It's the show I look forward to the most. It's with Super Mac and John Gibson. How are you doing, lads? We're good. All right, Mal? Yeah. How are you, John? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Cooking on gas. <laughs> good stuff, John. Are you running the book, John, for when Malcolm lets his dogs out tonight? I am. I am, absolutely. And I'm going to go for 26 minutes for the first time and okay. 45 minutes for the second time. <laughs> I mean, people obviously don't know, but we've recorded a special edition of the show. Uh, looking back at Ma um, uh, Malcolm's England career, uh, John and I and Malcolm and, and that did it on Monday. And as you know, Malcolm's had a few issues with his computer, which is a bit of a bit of a nightmare. We think we've cracked it. We think we know what the crack is. He's took it to a computer expert, but we, we had a right laugh, didn't we, Monday? We, we, we tried to do a one-hour show. It took us about one hour 55 to do. <laughs> I'm not certain that Malcolm had to go to the computer expert. I think he should have gone to the dog and cat shelter and <laughs> got the dog for him. <laughs> well, anyway, it causes plenty of amusement. And as I said, um, I think qtechshop.co.uk, who make our T-shirts next week uh, for the Food Bank T-shirt, I think he's going to make a picture of Malcolm with who let the who let Malcolm's dogs out or something <laughs> along those lines. So hopefully that makes a few, few quid. Mark Byers has got 626. Barry Hogan says 36 minutes for Malcolm. Paul Oxley says 18.32. Chipper <laughs> says 6.30. Dave Harrison says 18.31. Um, and Stu says, evening gentlemen, Bruce out. No change from Stu. Um, let's talk about COVID first, guys. Not something that we've really talked about, but um, I suppose we've got to because, you know, it's, it's hit our club and it's hit our club badly. We had our game mm. postponed, of course, in the last round of fixtures. Uh, but, but there seems to be bright... Brighter news at St James's and at the training ground. Uh, the players have been allowed back in. Um, there was an up, upbeat photograph, as NUFC.com has described it, on the official website today with Matt Ritchie on, uh, looking forward to facing West Brom this weekend. Uh, Callum Wilson is talking quite positively on social media, but um, we still really don't know who's had it, Malcolm, and... We don't know who's going to be fit and who's going to play, but it, it looks as if our game is going to go ahead at the weekend. And, um, you know, I suppose we'll find out at Steve Bruce's press conference who's fit. Uh, yeah, we'll find out who's fit. But, uh, well, we really don't want to be telling West Brom who's had it. You know, that, that's something I think they should keep uh, quiet and secret within St. James Park. Um, um, you... you there's a thing in the, in football dressing rooms that, that you look at the opposition and what's happened to them over the over the last week, and anybody who's had a bit of a knock and has been on the in, been on the injury table with um, under the physio um, for, for for most of that time, you you actually talk about concentrating on on putting that fella um, un, un, under duress. Um, putting him under pressure throughout the whole game, and, I, and, and we we don't want that happening to Newcastle players, and, and West Bromwich Albion right now they must be looking for for um, any trick that they can get up to to try and steal a point from somewhere. Mm. Yep, John, it's it's the usual. Uh, I don't know how can I put it. I'm trying to think of a country that keeps things secret, North Korea. 
Um, it's the usual uh, North Korea kind of attitude from the club. You know, said very little. Is it down to medical privacy? Do you think is is it is that the case? Is that the reason? I do. Mm. I think we have many occasions where we can smack the club. I'm not certain that this is one of them because medically, I think the Premier League and although individual high-profile cases have come out elsewhere in the country, the idea is you don't tell for the sake of the... It goes beyond the player, doesn't it? It's his family, his wife, his mm -hmm. kids in mm -hmm. school, etc., etc. Yeah. Do you want to say that there's a COVID problem in the house, etc., etc.? And we haven't known, and I don't think that Steve Bruce's press conference will tell us anything on the COVID situation apart from a bland across the board uh, talk about the situation. For example, we do believe that's the reason Isaac Hayden didn't play at um, at Crystal Palace in the last game, uh, because he was one of the early COVID guys. I think there was three of them then. We know that Steve Agnew before that was missing off the touchline. Uh, and again, that was supposed to be the reason. Hayden, because he was one of the early guys with the COVID situation, will be available, I believe, um, this weekend. But from my point of view, boys, when I look at the Newcastle team, and this is both not meant to be too nasty, but, uh, you know, we're wondering who's available, who's not available. I think as long as two players are definitely available, and one is Callum Wilson and the other is Carl Dolo. I think the rest are much of a muchness, and if somebody's missing out of centre midfield, then he can be replaced by somebody else who's equally good, or some cynics would say equally bad, is one another. I don't think that you suffer too much by losing individuals. If you didn't have Callum Wilson, you would be in big, big trouble. But we know because he's said something on social media that he's fit. And if you didn't have Dolo, you'd be in big trouble because Dubrovka is not fit yet. And you would have Gillespie, who's the third choice keeper, who hasn't played in the Premier League yet and had that unfortunate um, situation at, at uh, Newport when he let in a bad goal early on. Uh, but that happens with goalkeepers. But as long as the goalkeeper's fit and as long as the centre-forward's fit, I think we can mix and match anywhere else because is um, the two long staffs, uh, Shelby, Hayden, um, uh, Hendrick, if you pick two out of those four or six, it ain't going to change much because they're as good as each other or as average as each other. And the same would apply at fullback and the same would apply out wide. So give me those two guys there and I'll take whatever else. Um, is thrown at us and no doubt we will be talking about West Brom later but just to say Newcastle United no excuses kids we've had COVID it hasn't been good but that's not an excuse for beating this side because this side is woeful mind so I don't want us giving an excuse we're terrified of our own shadow never mind the opposition Newcastle United so I don't want COVID and what's happened in the last fortnight to be a problem there but I don't think we'll actually see the actual composition of the team in, in terms of the illness until an hour before the kickoff on Saturday 
Fair enough. Okay, we uh, await with uh, bated breath Steve Bruce's press conference, and let's hope we've uh, we've got those two players, as uh, as John rightly says, Darlow and Wilson, fit and available. We will, of course, look at the West Brom game a little bit later. Uh, Malcolm, there is a couple of questions coming in, and I don't mind taking people's questions especially this week when there's not a great deal to talk about with regards to Newcastle current day. Uh, John, uh, who of course runs our, uh, one of our sponsors, qxshop.co.uk. Malcolm, can you remember what happened in the build-up of play just before your collision that led to the injury on your home debut? You told the story but missed a bit out. Um, yeah, Liverpool at home, Malcolm, your home debut. Um, what Was there anything that happened in, uh, any that, I, that I've forgotten? Well... Um, the incident started with um, Ray Clements um, duffing his kick. That's um, it, yeah. From his, from his hands. Um, and Ray Clements, uh, the surprising thing was that, it, that he duffed it because uh, uh, um, he was one of the sweetest strikers of a ball um, that you could ever wish to meet. You know, his left foot was absolutely superb. It, it, as good if not better than outfielders and um, and he duffed this goal kick and it came straight at me so I swear that he, that he duffed it purposely I'd scored a hat-trick he didn't like people scoring goals against him particularly hat-tricks and so um, and so this this goal kick was duffed. It came at me. It was bobbling all over the place, and I and I went to control it, but it went up in the air um, over Larry Lloyd, and I ran past him. And the next thing, Ray Clements was he was coming steaming out off his line. So I just had the feeling, when I, the more I think about it, that uh, he did it on purpose. He knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> did, did he did he not like you in England training like big man later on? He never worked with me in training. He he sort of always avoided me. Um and uh and I finished working all of the time with Peter Shilton. Yeah. Um who was a training fanatic. He couldn't, you know, he, he just wanted to be between the sticks having people firing shots at him all day long. And, but that suited me because I was happy to, to keep working on the shooting um, all the while. Um, uh, but it, it was, a, it was a, a strange thing to be in a, in, the, um, in, in a room with all the other England players and Ray Clements. It sort, of, it, it, it sort of looked at me from under his brow, you know, and there was never any real social contact between he and I. At all. Not yep. that I wanted it. <laughs> John Mitchelson asks a question as well. He says, um, Hi all, a question to Malcolm. When uh, Keith Birkenshaw picked the team to face Liverpool, did Harvey not question his decision not to play Barraclough? It probably cost Newcastle a final. This is, of course, a special programme that we did a couple of weeks ago, uh, looking at the uh, the wonderful cup run in the 70s. But, of course, uh, the final at uh, Wembley against Liverpool didn't go our way in the second half, it has to be said. But, yeah, I mean, just a question on that, uh, Malcolm, which, which, again, we probably didn't cover on the show. That's why John's asking. Yeah, I understand the question. Um and the reason for it uh, I don't know what Joe Harvey said because if he said anything it would have been said in private um, and what you have to remember is that in a dressing room because one or two of the players 
me in particular, questioned this because it was changing the whole format of, of the side. We had always played with an out-and-out -out winger. Keith Birkenshaw was telling us that we had to play with a very narrow um, back four, and we were saying, well, it's going to leave huge space down, the, down either flank. Um, you know, what do you want us, us to do? Go and mark the fullbacks and stop them from going? You know, which, which would have stopped... John Tudor and I from playing a normal and natural game, um, and 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 so, but you have to be so careful when you you know you're building up to a game and a hugely important game at that, and in the dressing room you can't stick on that one subject because it doesn't have any relation to what's actually going to be happening on the Saturday afternoon. You're questioning the reason why it's happening. And what you need to do is take a positive aspect to it and, and get talking with everybody um, and hear what, what the coach has got to say um, in, an, in an effort for you, that you can get those 10 outfield players all well and truly understanding what's to be taking place and 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 how to make the very most of it um but i think the question marks were always there you know even when we went out onto the wembley, wembley turf you know we had these question marks in our heads um and uh you know I, it, it was it was we were playing in a situation that we had just never um, had before, never had before. I've uh, I've got a laugh at this, Malcolm. Um, I'll read this out. It's in a few parts, but uh, Dodo Bird has sent in this uh, few part message. It says, "Hi, Steve. I actually met Malcolm many years ago when he personally sold me a beautiful leather jacket, which was on sale at his boutique in Newcastle. I said it felt a bit tight as I tried it on, but at least by at least two sizes." He said, no, no, that's perfect in the way it should be worn, and leather stretches anyway. Assured by this, I went ahead and bought it. I wore it on the way home, but by the time I got there, the back seam had come apart around the shoulders also. He personally answered the phone when I explained what had happened, and he said, no problem, bring it back in, and I'll exchange it. Unfortunately, he didn't have a replacement jacket. And he persuaded me alternatively to exchange it for two pairs of trousers, which I did not want nor need. I won't forget as he opened the door as I left that I'd been duped as he waved goodbye from behind the glass plate door. A certain wry smile confirmed it. Super Mac, super footballer, super salesman. Ha! <laughs> Don't know that. That is a good story. <laughs> the question is... The question is, did the pants fall apart? <laughs> <laughs> PJ Forby, he was PJ Forby. I mean, Malcolm used to sell, sell dummies to the centre-halves in his days, never mind the bloke coming in his shop. <laughs> That's a great... I love stories like that, which have got absolutely nothing to do with football. It's uh, super... Dodo Bird, thanks for sharing that. Malcolm, any, any comment on that? Well, I wish I could remember the... Um the incident and the situation um but sadly i can't then i would be able to comment on the veracity of what we're being told here in in the words of freddie shepherd buyer beware 
That's what yeah, you always. Absolutely. <laughs> he he wasn't when was saying make alone. Unfortunately. <laughs> Alan Thompson. Uh, good evening, mate. He says, "Question: Malcolm and John pundits say Bruce, brilliant job. Arteta, brilliant job. Roy Hodgson, brilliant job. Which manager then has done better than brilliant? All the rest." <laughs> I was going to say if if to be truthful all these guys have done brilliant jobs they're 13 or below so um in the in the table at the moment I did an article this week saying it's quite amazing you know we think we are staggering from crisis to crisis uh, that our tactics are poor that we don't have the right stats on possession, etc., etc., and yet Arsenal are one point in two places beneath us um, mm. with the manager who's supposed to be going to be one of the great tactical brains of the future in Arteta, etc. It may well change, but that is the current situation, and it's quite amazing. And um, yeah. Uh, I tell you, the one manager who isn't doing brilliant is the one that's up here on Saturday, who were told in certain quarters that if he doesn't beat Newcastle, could get the sack, and um, because he doesn't get on with the um, owner of the club. Does that remind you anything about? Um, let me throw two names at you. Maybe it's Rafa Benitez and Mike Ashley. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It sounds very similar, but uh, Rafa, I think, is doing a better job on the pitch. Um, yes, he was, without, without the shadow of Um Yeah, it's a good time to play them, isn't it? I think it, it is. is. I think it is, yes. Yeah, they, yeah. Need, to get the they need to get the game on. Tom's asking, Malcolm, uh, do you think Bruce is better playing the four-four-two formation? I mean, obviously, we had success with that. Joe Linton and uh, Wilson linked up well in the last game. Do you think you should stick with that, or do you think you should yeah. twist and go back Absolutely. to one up top? No, no. I'm, I am so anti one, one up front. If you play one up front, you've got an extra man somewhere else. He's either in the... In the back four, making five, or in the back, or in the middle four, making five, and and that's and that tells me that you've got players who can't play, and they've got to crowd it with numbers to cover up for them. You know, and and uh, um, good players, really good players, when the manager says, right, we're going to play a back five, you just say, no, you're not, no, you're not. We're not playing five. We don't need a fifth man. Um, uh, uh, and the same in, in midfield. You know, midfielders should put their hand up and say, no, 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 no. Because at the same time, midfielders, you you have five midfielders across there. When Whenever the ball go, drops at the feet of any of them and they look forward, they've got one man up front as a target, just one. No matter what movement he makes, he's running from one to another to another of a back four. It's, and it, it, for me, it's crazy. And the only reason why you play five at the back is because you've got a right duffer somewhere. Yeah. And you're covering for him. It would be better to play four and leave that man out and bring somebody else in. That's the way to do it. Okay, John, there's a question for you on the screen from Joe Walker. He says, what's the most enjoyable and most difficult Newcastle story that you've written? 
Well, that's a that's a great, great, great question, and to, I would have to give it a lot of thought to be able to answer it for definite. Oh, come on, but John! I mean, You've got I mean, having said that, stories <laughs> off, the, <laughs> off the top of my head, and, and this might make some people smile. One of the most difficult ones I had to write of recent times was on the appointment of Steve Bruce because Bushy had been a pal of mine for years, in as much as. I was brought up with Walls End Boys Club doing an awful lot of work down there with Steve Dale and before that with Peter Kirkley, etc. I loved Walls End Boys Club. I went every year. I knew all the old players there and I knew Steve Bruce and Peter Beardsley when they were kids there going away trying to find a club and neither of them could. And I knew him through all his wonderful time with um with Manchester United and I was very grateful when he was man of the match for Norwich against Sunderland in the League Cup final and duffed up old Sunderland so they didn't win a trophy. I was grateful too for that. Now when he was in the in the running for the Newcastle United job I was praying that he didn't get it because I thought it was a bad fit. It wasn't good for Steve Bruce and it certainly wasn't good for Newcastle United. He did get the Newcastle United job and I had I was asked by the office to write a comment piece on it, on his appointment. And it was with a very sad heart that I wrote that I didn't think it was a good appointment either for the man or for Newcastle United. And I take no glee in saying, has it worked out that way or has it not? That is for the individual to decide. But it was a tough thing to write because he was a, a good, good friend of mine. But I don't think that should get in the way of my professional judgment. A personal relationship is different from a professional judgment. But he came up here as a good pal. His coach was Steve Agnew, who I give Steve his first coaching job when he played for me at Gateshead and was a player for me at Gateshead. And I made him Gateshead's coach. That's the first coaching job he ever had. And he's ended up coaching Newcastle United. So it was very difficult for me to give my opinion but I honestly believe that if I was asked my professional opinion, I had to divert myself away from friendship and give it. And I know a lot of people haven't done that with Steve. A lot of people have just supported him blindly because he's a pal. I don't think that that's professional for a professional person. So that was a difficult story to write. The great stories to write have almost written themselves like semi-finals of Cups when Malcolm scored two against Burnley, while Arnold Shearer got us through two semi-final successive years in the 90s when we won the first cup, uh, possibly because I'm the only one still working that can remember that. Uh, they were wonderful stories to write uh, and you wrote them with great heart. A lot of the stories I did with Bobby Robson when I went out to Porto to sit with him and he told me about fighting cancer, which was very, very early on, uh, and writing heartwarming stories about good people. So despite the lack of trophies, I've had some fabulous stories. The bad ones to write have been tough to write, but it's your job to write them. I got on well with Joe, but we would have fights occasionally. Joe Harvey, you've got to do it. You've got to be professional. And you know what? You've got to have guts in this game. If you haven't got guts, whether you're a manager, player or a hack, don't do the job. 
John, I've got uh, Dodo Bird has come with a story about you oh, now. Um, so this is about you, not Malcolm. So Malcolm can breathe a sigh of relief because uh, Dodo Bird's coming with this one. Um, years ago, I was talking football at the bar in Gray's Club with John Gibson. Great guy. Bought me drinks all night. Even said I had nice hair. We danced for a while, but afterwards was a total blank. I was found Saturday morning, uh, Sunday morning, the next day, trouserless directing traffic across the swing bridge by a milkman in his cart making deliveries. Police didn't press charges, but ever since then I've wondered how I ended up there. Perhaps John could possibly fill me in. That's if he did not already, as if he'd not already done so. <laughs> well, the only reason why the story might have a smidgen of truth is that he mentioned Grace Club. And I certainly went in there now and again just to be social, <laughs> you understand. And what also gives the story credence is that he was found trouserless because obviously he was wearing the pair of trousers that Malcolm McDonald had sold. The story has obviously got some truth in it. Um, I can't remember dancing. Fine, but. I bet, I bet you can't remember buying anybody a drink for that all night. Uh, that Not all lost... night. I can't remember dancing with him, but he must have asked nicely, else I wouldn't have danced. So <laughs> yeah, that's that part of it. And um, I certainly wasn't driving the horse and cart, but the rest of it has all got little smatterings of truth because I led a rather colourful life when I was younger. It, sound, it sounds to me like um, if he's ended up trouserless, he's been clubbing with Ron McGarry because he tells a few to he tells a few tales about clubs he was in back in the day. But that's another that's for that's for another show. Keith, well, yeah, one, one used to pay one used to pay me a regular amount of money for them not to appear in print. I bet he did. I bet he did. He's told me a few, by the way. Um, Keith Keith Rule says, uh, lads, what are your thoughts on reports linking Man United's Phil Jones to a transfer to Newcastle? Do you think he would improve the team, Malcolm? Uh, I've certainly not seen any of these reports, um, and I, I, I can't I can't even imagine that uh, such a transaction would take place in in, in the uh, winter window. Um, I, I'm always, I'm always very, very wary of of a club like Newcastle um, getting players from uh, these big clubs. Um, it, it, it's sort of when they're a bit on the on the way down, and I don't think you ever see the best from those players anymore. And so, you're, you're right, Malcolm. You're, you're right. We've done it many times. We did it with Michael Owen. We did yeah. it famously with uh, Barnes and Rush out uh, in the in the old days. Out of what fabulous players they were, but they weren't yeah. they are now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Mick, Mick they did... Shannon came and played, didn't he? Yes, John? he did on loan. On loan, he yeah. did. He did. Um, but the one thing that gives that story a little bit of credence is that, if you remember, we are looking, it might surprise people with the number of centre-halves we've had, but we were looking for a central defender. If you remember, in the last uh, window, we tried to sign Rob Holding on loan from Arsenal and they pulled the plug on it at the last moment because Arteta decided that Holding might do a job where he is and, mm. of course, has stayed in the Arsenal team since. 
So we are looking for a centre-half and Man uses his old club and um, the possibility is that, that Steve Bruce would ask after him. I don't know how much he would improve the team and like Malcolm, I'm always cynical when we go for mm. people on their reputation because we've done that so often and big names have come to Newcastle uh, well past the sell-by date mm. and I, I'm very concerned that Phil Jones would be that. The only way he would come in January is if he came on loan. They certainly yeah. would not, um, Ashley sure. wouldn't condone any spending of money in the January transfer loan. It would be loans if, again. If you're, yeah. actually, if you're looking for a specific um, position to fill, what you want to bring in in, in Newcastle's situation is somebody who's got his future in front of him and somebody who's really hungry to prove a point and to, to, uh, um, and to make the very most of himself. What I want to see is a hunger. And I can't believe that Phil Jones arriving at St James's Park is going to be very hungry to, to, to want to make a name for himself on Tyneside. He's already done all of that. Good point. Yeah. Good points, yeah, great stuff. Uh, half an hour into the show, we've covered loads of things, including trousers and trouserless people. Um, Tom Tom Dixon, Tom Dixon uh, says, Malcolm, uh, what's your thoughts on the World Cup draw? Um, I couldn't believe it, to be honest, when it when it came out again. Uh, that we ended up with Poland again. That just as a reminder, I'll just run through. We'll just run through uh, England's group here. England have got Poland, Hungary, Albania, Andorra, and San Marino. Um, that's as good as a bye, Mal, isn't it? Uh, it should be. It should be. Poland are certainly not the side that they used to be in the 70s and 80s. Um, they, they, they were a fantastic side back then. Great players um, there. But uh, they, they've gone uh, distinctly backwards in the last couple of decades. And <clears throat> Hungary, they haven't been a force since the 1950s when Ferenc Buskas was playing for them. Um, and, well, uh, I can't see any of the others being a problem. So, not quite a buy, but almost. Okay, John, it's an interesting group. International football, I still feel, you know, has a long way to go to recapture the, the feel that we had in probably 1990 when our Gaza, Beardsley and Waddle were playing. Um, but, you know, it's it's English football, it's, it's World Cup qualification, it's important. Um, it's an easy group. Yeah, I think without a shadow of doubt. But if you look back, Steve, over recent times, we always qualify easily from groups it's when we get to the finals we have our problems. When we get to the World Cup finals or the Europeans, that's when we have our problems. We qualify from groups with almost a 100% record or an unbeaten record um, because at that stage it's easy. And, you know, Hungary, as, as Malcolm said, since we played Uzpes Doza, their great years was the 50s with Puskas. And they hung on into the 60s when Uzpes Doza were a great side. And then that was the end of it. Poland was the famous games, as we know, that England had back in the in the 70s. The, the only worry with Poland is they have a certain centre-forward that plays his club football in Germany, Lewandowski, yeah. who, who might provide a few problems. But, New, but England ought to qualify from their group 
um, as leaders and qualify automatically. The other three home nations may have to use the playoffs in the hope to get there. Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales because Scotland have got Denmark and Austria, Israel from the whole group. Scotland don't blow anybody away. Northern Ireland's got Italy and Switzerland. Italy are well favourites to win their group. And Wales have got Belgium, who are the world's number one as things stand. So any hope for the other countries may well be via the playoffs, but England should qualify and then the real problems come once they've qualified. Yeah, and let's yeah, not forget sure. that England actually beat Belgium just recently. Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah, they yeah. got cuffed in the return. They got yeah. cuffed in the return, though, Malcolm, yes. I know, yeah, they did. It's crazy. They, they, they beat the world number one, and then they go to Denmark, for heaven's sake. <laughs> yeah, it's all right beating people in... It, it's all right beating people in friendlies, but when it comes to the main events, like John says, we always fall short. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's yes. a bit like Newcastle United, isn't it? Newcastle win at yeah. West Ham and then go at home to Brighton and get beat. Yeah. That, that's, England. yeah. that's England with Belgium, yes. I think that's why I don't have as much interest in England's games because I'm a Newcastle fan. You know, one team doing, you know, doing that is bad enough without supporting a national team that does the same. <laughs> Very <laughs> comment, Steve. <laughs> Big shout out to our sponsors, newworkwear.com, specialists in the supply and branding of clothing for the workplace uh, who are sponsoring the StreamYard application for us this month. And uh, I've had a few shout outs already, but qtechshop.co.uk are sponsoring us as well, makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End in Newcastle. And they've kindly done um, a limited run of Newcastle's uh, Super Mac 9 t shirts uh, and the mugs as well. So if you're looking for Christmas ideas, for uh, for kids, dads, granddads, uncles, whatever, aunties, sisters, mothers, whatever, whoever wants one, uh, give us a shout at newcastlelegends.com and you will be able to get them on there. Uh, Dave Avery. Yes, yes. With my photograph stuck on that, are, yeah. they, are they calling me a mug? No. <laughs> I'll rephrase it, it's a cup. It's a cup. <laughs> that's better steve that's better my friend it's a cup the good news the good news is that it's a rollover on the malcolm dog uh betting scandal uh story here because it's 1836 and uh, i think we had somebody on 1836 nobody went for 1837 what, what happened no i think one person paul oxley hedged his bets he said it was five to four on that he was going off twenty to one that he would last a full show. So if anyone had if anyone had that, fair play. Dave Avery, um taking us back in time, Malcolm. What's your memories of when you were on Superstars? Great, great uh, series that back in the uh, back in the seventies. Um and you did very well on it. Um he's talking about the hundred meter race. Yeah. Um it, that was a, a, a bizarre um time, it really was. Um the the superstars event in all was quite fantastic you know when the the uh the first one that i did was the one that i won and it was it was over in malmo in sweden and and i was the only english person taking part and there there were um there were so many great sportsmen from all different sports that um and uh uh, you know, Jack Giacomo Agostini, 
who was 13 times world champion at 500cc motorbike racing. Um, and then there was Angelo Nieto from Spain, who was a 250cc world champion four times. Um, Joachim Mas, the racing driver, the Formula One F, um, racing driver, he was there. Uh, Willie Steveniers, who was uh, um, one of the top basketball players from America, albeit he was Belgian. Um, and, uh, oh my word, uh, and it just went to Harm Kuypers, who was, um, he had been a, a, a gold medalist in the Olympics um, on, uh, on cycling, sprint cycling, and then he gave that up and, he's, and he turned to speed skating and won gold medals in that. You know, these were incredible people to be, to be a, a, a part of. And, uh, and there, was, there was the local lad uh, from, uh, from Sweden who was the Swedish table tennis champion. And it came to the 100 meters. And this was one event that I fancied myself for. Um, and, and I've been doing fairly well up to then. Uh, and so I really wanted to get stuck into this, um, event and, um, and we, we got ourselves all positioned in, in um, uh, at the starting line and, uh, and it was ready, set and, and up we came. And the table tennis champion, he just took off. And then the gun went off and, and, and then it went off again and, and he was full started. And then he full started again in the next one. And we said, well, that's it. He's out. You know, that you, you, you get two chances. And oh, I, I think it's only, the, I don't think it's two chances anymore, is it? I said, um, I think if you full start, you're, you're out straight away. But in those days, you've got a second chance. But he full started twice. <coughs> and so the television people, they came into the argument and they said, because we, um, we record in a totally different order to the way it goes out on air, we can't suddenly start messing about with this. So we've got to have the prop, the, the original starting lineup, no matter what. Well, this guy was, he, uh, he was so keyed up, uh, and knew that I was, that I was very strong in this. Um, and that he needed a really good start if he was going to have any chance. And and he just kept full starting and it got to the ninth time um, that we started off and he was nine meters up the track before the gun went off. I went off uh, um, out of the blocks expecting to hear the gun again and I didn't hear it. It wasn't, it wasn't fired. And I thought, bloody hell, they, they've let this one go. And so I had a fellow 10 meters ahead of me and I, and I had sort of like 
90 metres or so to catch him up and, and, and beat him. And I just nipped, nipped in front of him right on the line. And, um, and, and having done so, Ron Pickering, the great athletics coach who was a commentator um, on Superstars, he was up in the stand and he, and he waved to me and he, and he signaled for me to, to go up and see him. So I went up and he said, are you aware of the time you've just done? I said, no, not really. Um, he said, well, he said, you've just run 10-4. He said, um, and that's not only a superstars record, he said, but it's the second fastest in the world this year. <laughs> I said, I beg your pardon. He said, there's only one man, and it was an Italian, who had run quicker than that in that particular year. He said, so you could represent any country other than Italy in the Olympics. I said, oh, very good. Um, he said, except that you were a professional. <laughs> and it was in a really condescending way that he said it, because that athletics in those days was strictly amateur. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, um, but, yeah, so Ron Pickering, what he said to me was, he said, as a sprint coach, he said, I can take a half a second absolute minimum of anybody, of anybody in their time, he said, when I work with them. He said, so I would have you down to at least a maximum of 9.9. And the world record at the time was 9.9. And I went, oh, wow. And he said, yeah, but then you're a pro. And he said, so I'm not getting involved. <laughs> Brilliant. You, yeah. Steve, you, Steve, you know why Malcolm was so quick? Because his dogs were chasing him. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. Paul, yeah. uh, but Paul's going to take Go on, Mal. Go on. Well, I was, I was going to say um, that... Um, my speed stood me in very good stead for the vast majority of my career, but um, but there were certain linesmen that I had to I had to sort of hold myself back somewhat. When the ball was played through beyond the back four, I couldn't go um, in that split second after the ball was played because the linesman had to do that. They would see the ball played and then they would turn and look along the line. Well, if I went straight away, as soon as the ball was played, I was offside. And there was, there was one particular linesman who, who, was, um, who was from Middlesbrough and we got him numerous games at St. James and he was forever flagging me offside and I'm saying, I'm not, you're too slow. In, in looking from the ball to the line. And he kept flagging me offside. And so I had to give myself like another three or four yards and sort of retreated three or four yards from the, um, from the, the line of the defenders so that uh, I could give him the chance to sort of turn his, 
um, his head, and it, it was it was crazy, you know that uh, that speed. It counted for you in most instances, but at times it could count against you very much. Okay, we're going to look ahead to the West Brom game now. Last 15 minutes of the show. Chip, as I say, we're at home against the worst team in the league on Saturday. If we play five at the back and one up top, it shows our intentions or lack of them. So Paul's asking the, the million-dollar question. Yeah, I couldn't if he, agree more with that comment. I really if, couldn't. If he's fit, lads, um, John, I'll come to you first. Um, would you start ESM? Great, great question. If you could start the man who was with us before he got his six-year contract, you would start him yeah. because he would be the main hope Newcastle United have because he's the one bloke that can do something different. Every other player is predictable in what he does. He's not. But the form he's played in recent times has been so mm. awful his body language has been so awful is that because he was played at 10 and not played out wide and of course in the last game he didn't play uh, was it a bust up with uh, Steve Bruce or was he genuinely injured because there was talk that he was going to be let left out the team anyway and the one without him and um, I think the only answer to that and I'm not ducking it is how he's looked in training this week if he's got his appetite back if he's buzz, buzzing and he's positive he's about the third name on the team sheet after the center forward and the goalkeeper if he is sulking then you don't need him anywhere near the place and of course the other thing is we've got to hope that he's not one of the coronavirus uh, victims because he may not be available to us but it is an excellent question because in the right frame of mind He's a match winner, and outside of Callum Wilson, we haven't got match winners. In the wrong frame of mind, he's a liability. So, great question. But what we've got to do is what we did, at least what we did at Palace, which is play a flat back four, an extra body in midfield, and two up top. Because yes. we are playing a woeful side. This West Brom team have let in 23 goals this season, which is the most in the whole of the Premier League. They've leaked three uh, three goals or more on four occasions, and Everton and Crystal Palace have both scored five against them. At the other end of the field, they've only scored eight in 11 games, which is the second worst record in the Premier League. What does that tell us? It tells me they can't keep them out and they can't put them in. We're playing a, a dreadful, dreadful side. We've got to get our tactics right. Five at the back would be sacrilege against a team if they're limited ability. We've got to go for the throat and we haven't got to use the excuse of the coronavirus. If we've got to keep it and we've got to centre forward, let's put the rest of the team around them. Let's start the game lads we've got to start the game as we mean it we start sometimes like a hesitant tortoise that wants to go back in its shell we, we almost kick off and go to our 18 yard line and start defending we have got to get we not in one game this season have we had more possession than the opposition and that includes when we won at crystal palace in the last game we've always had under 50 percent We've got to take the game to West Brom. If we can't beat West Brom and we can't beat 
Fulham, who play is our next home game, then we are in serious trouble, man. These yes. are sides yep. you beat. These are sides you beat. On that, John. Yes. Surrey Hill Mag says, ASM, don't start for me. Lazy, lazy player. Frustrating. You know what sort of game he's going to have within the first few minutes of games. So there's Ferry Hill Mag's opinion, Malcolm. Yeah, well, um, I was just going to follow on from what John was saying. You know, when you think that, uh, that Newcastle... They go to Crystal Palace and win 2-0. And then a week later, Crystal Palace go to West Brom and win 5-0. You know, so what yeah. does that say that Newcastle should do to West Brom, for heaven's sake? Yeah. Um, uh, 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 and sorry, what was the, the guy's question just there that you asked, Steve? No, he was just criticising. He was just criticising uh, ESM. He said he wouldn't put him in the team. Right. Well, there, there is one thing... That I, that I despise in the game. And that is when I see a player um, being brilliant, earning a new contract, signing that contract, and then he's not brilliant anymore. I absolutely despise that. And, and, and the player, and, and, and it's obvious that the player is just relaxing, counting his damn money. And uh, 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 and the, they should they should take the, the the stance that if you sign a new contract, you should get better. You should always be seeking to improve, not to rest on your laurels, not to count your, the money in your bank. For heaven's sake, you should be getting out there. The St. Maximin, he should be looking to score somewhere in the region of between 15 and 20 goals in a season. And what's he got so far? A couple? One and, in the uh, league, Adam. One in yeah. the league. Yes. And, and we're approaching the new year. So we're halfway through the season almost. Um, you know, so that isn't good enough. It really isn't good enough. With that ability, he should be so hungry to get out and just keep scoring goals making goals um and and so if he's not in that frame of mind to really want to go out and murder the opposition leave him out because he will be a liability yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, we should just stick with what we've got. But obviously, COVID will decide on, on that. Um, lots, of, yeah. lots of opinions coming in on this. Tom says, ASM has bought some new football boots today. I wonder if he's going to play better wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> as long as he hasn't bought a leather jacket and trousers um, down at some kind of dodgy shop in Newcastle. Uh, John Brown says, did anyone see Lampard's interview last week when he said it's the big six after 10 games near the top, then apologised and, and said, sorry, the top six I meant. Yeah, he did say that. I did see that as well. It was interesting, wasn't it, John? Uh, lot, was it a Freudian slip? Yeah, uh, well, I think they, they know that they consider themselves the big six. I mean, you know, when you when you look at the so-called big six, who undoubtedly believe they're the big six, Arsenal are two places below Newcastle in 15th place, but they're still part of the big six. Is that because of the gates they get, because of their history, because of what Wenger did with them? On the current form, they're closer to the bottom six than the big six. 
Um, but this is a real bone of contention for Newcastle United fans because we know that the big six, so-called, don't want us to join them and be the big seven, which is the, the, the yeah. takeover, etc., etc. Um, and I'm sorry, I don't want to go for the big six situation. And if we look at it now, of course, guys, you, they talk about the big six, but what, what about Leicester City? What about Southampton? What about mm. Wolves on, on, on the verge of it? I mean, they Leicester City won the title not so long ago, and now they're batting now. And, yes. you know, you're not showing a lot of respect for the achievement of those sort of clubs. Absolutely yeah, right, yeah. yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. But um, for, there, um, for there to be this cartel developing, in, in the in the Premier League, I think it is so so dangerous because they're banding together against everybody else. The point the point of a of, of a football league is that it's competitive. They shouldn't be banding together. What's what's next? Are they are they going to say are they going to start stitching games up? For heaven's sake, you, you know, for me it's. It's bordering on, on on going against the rules of football, and I, and I think the whole thing just absolutely stinks. And, and and the Premier League, they are siding with the big six. Now that's the most dangerous aspect of it all, because because it's it, it's almost as 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 if it, it it's a power breakaway. The, the Football League is there to represent 20 clubs and they should represent each and every one equally. Not start taking sides. That isn't the way to do it. Um, and, and, and from here on, I don't feel that I can trust the Premier League to do the right thing for the game of football and for their, their members. The twenty, the twenty clubs that are there, I, I really don't. I, they've broken all confidence and any confidence that I have once had in them. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrible state of affairs, um, and you know it's affected the takeover uh, more importantly for us. And uh, yeah. yeah, I think, I think the yeah. truth will out. I think the truth will out, Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think it's an, uh, um, it's an absolute outrage um, for them to. To affect um, a club's business, major business, in that way, I really do, uh, um, uh, and I, and I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to 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 seeing whether Mike Ashley can can actually get this into court, because I think a a, um, a, a judge, an experienced business judge, he will see right through. The big six and the um, and, and the Premier League, and I think he will absolutely crucify them verbally. Yeah, me too. I think that's where we'll go. Um, well, I think I think that's where we'll look as if we're going. I think this will get settled way before that. I don't think the Premier League will want a dirty uh, linen no, air I, in I public. Agree with you, yeah, they won't want yeah. it. It might take time. Um, I, my my money's on you know maybe spring next year at the latest. But I think we'll get a takeover. I think John for us, 
Um, just finishing off before we finish the show, a takeover would be more beneficial in January for us, of course. Oh, absolutely, because we could do something in, in January. And as we approach the festive season, what is interesting, Steve, is this has been a, a dreadful year for us, uh, for us all, because of the pandemic um, to hit the whole world. It's been dreadful. It's kept the most loyal fans in football, 50,000 of them, outside of the cathedral on the hill. Uh, it, we have seen a takeover which we thought was going to open the doors to heaven collapse, at least temporarily. It has been a bad year. We need to get into a new year, get the crowds back in, get a takeover back on the go and get Newcastle heading upwards again. So I would prefer rather to look back and have a glass that's half empty. I would prefer to look forward to 20. 21, 22, and have a glass that's all full. And um, I think there's a good chance of that. But let us, before this year's ended, get six points out of West Brom and Fulham in the next two home games, please. Give us your prediction for uh, West Brom, John, please. Well, uh, as I've said, they can't keep goals out the back of their net and they can't score goals. We which must indicate that whatever team Newcastle put out, as long as we've got the front and back reasonably sorted, Newcastle should win. I can't ever see Newcastle scoring uh, five unless we're in the League Cup against uh, Morecambe or someone. So uh, I'm going to go that Newcastle will win 2-0 because as much because they're poor as we are good. Brilliant. Malcolm? Hmm. Um, I would think that the, if, if the players are worth their salt, having um, been in, in lockdown and not being able to train and what have you, I would imagine that they've got back to the training ground. And I think it was only, is it today that they were able to train yep. for the first time? That they would be absolutely busting a gut to get out on the pitch again and go and murder somebody. So I, I, I'm going to go with that, that Newcastle will murder West Brom and that uh, uh, I'll take, and I, I take your point, John, that Newcastle are not uh, um, prolific goal scorers, but nevertheless, I, I'm going to go for 3-0, which is a high score line for Newcastle. It is good stuff. Very positive predictions from the guys. Uh, we are running a campaign called Think Before You Tweet. Uh, those of you who maybe saw last night's show will know that uh, the documentary's been finished. It's uh, two hours long, um, and I'll be launching that on the 15th of December, looking at the uh, the problems that we have as a fan base with social media, um, looking and meeting some of the trolls themselves who were kind enough to come on to camera and talk about why they actually do it, and uh, also speaking to uh, a well-renowned politician uh, someone who uh, works in a school and has to deal with uh, kids and social media and also with a guy who runs a mental health uh, organisation down in Scunthorpe who was targeted by people and almost took his own life so it's a fascinating documentary a look into uh, social media and trolling in particular concentrating obviously on our fan base and uh, you know why people do it um, I think people will enjoy that but we uh, are doing a Think Before You Tweet campaign we'll play out with the video I just want to thank John and Malcolm for a great Sure, really enjoy that, guys. The hour flew over. Thanks very much, lads. Pleasure. Ciao, fellas.
Good night, everybody. Cheers, Bye guys. Now. Great to have the lads on. And uh, please, um, if you want to uh, subscribe to the channel, click subscribe. Give this video a share and also give the video a like. Uh, we rely on that. Uh, and thanks to uh, Keith and someone else who made uh, a couple of donations tonight. Um, if you click the little dollar sign, you can donate to the show. Uh, it goes to improving it and keeping the shows going. So thanks very much for doing that. Uh, we will be back tomorrow night with the three amigos. Unfortunately, we won't be live to pre-record. I'm unavailable uh, tomorrow to uh, do the show live. Uh, so will be a pre-record, but still 90 minutes of the three amigos. And we're about to record that now. So we'll play out with the video. Take care and... Uh, Let's hope it's three points at the weekend. Think before you tweet. 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 Please just think before you tweet. 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 Think before you tweet.